This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. in your service guide today. Um, I'm going to be presenting the word this morning, and I'm really excited about that. But um, before I do, this morning, I don't know, probably about 10 different people were like, are you going to tell me about your trip to Australia? And so I'm going to give it to you briefly because it's nothing to do with my message this morning. But um, let me just tell you that it was awesome, that I really appreciate all of your prayers. And we had the opportunity um, to hook up with a church in Australia. It's called a Calvary church, and um, we had the opportunity to go and do a vacation Bible school, and here's what shocked me is they had never even heard of vacation Bible school. They didn't know what vacation Bible school was. They don't even use the word vacation. It's called holiday, and so, um, you know, we went over there, and they were totally like, what is this? And because of that, they didn't open it up to their city, to their surrounding area, because they're like, you know, we're not going to open this up as a reflection of our church without having a clue what it is. And so um, they opened it up to their church, and we were able to minister, and we actually had 20 kids that gave their life to Jesus that week. Is that not awesome? And um, I know some of you weren't able to see the pictures of that on Facebook, because I learned in Australia that they have laws. They have laws where you can't take pictures or video of children under uh, the age of 18 without parental consent, and you cannot post them without parental consent. And so we weren't able to post all those pictures. But um, for me, it was really exciting because normally I lead trips and I empower people to serve and do. And so I actually kind of got to go and be that person that just does whatever's told. And um, I had the opportunity to teach um, the VBS, a group of girls. And um, it's actually exciting because one of the girls in my class actually gave her life to the Lord. So exciting. But what was even better than that is that Saturday we did a water baptism in the Indian Ocean, and she got baptized that Saturday morning. And so, you know, I was like, okay, God, if you sent me to Australia for this one little girl named Robin to come and know Jesus and to get baptized, okay, God, I'll do it, whatever you call me to do. And, um, but I do want to encourage you this. Part of our ministry time there was actually to share Jesus with people in the community, and we went to markets and different stuff. And um, I found out while I was there that 3% of Aussies, Australians, claim to be Christians. And what we found is as we tried to share the word with these people, they were not open whatsoever. And, you know, I mean, we shared, we, had, we stayed in homes with different people. And one of the people that went on the trip with us was trying to share Jesus with um, the maid, the person that was cleaning the house. And um, he's like, man, she was just not open. Everywhere I go, nobody is open. Nobody is open. And um, we did a media blitz where we asked different people just questions, you know, like, you know, where, where do you think? When is death? What's going to happen after death? You know, where does good and evil come from? Where does moral decisions come from? Um, and then one of the people they asked, um, you know, have you ever even been to church? And they're like, well, I think I entered a church once when I went to a wedding. And, you know, it just grieved me how many people in that community. You know, you think first world country, they have all the modern conveniences we do, but they don't have Jesus. And so I came back with such a burden and with such a passion to pray for the people of Australia, because they need the word. They're so blinded to the truth. And so you can get me one-on-one -on -one to get pictures, and I can tell tons more stories. But we had an amazing time. The ministry was effective. Um, and if anything, it birthed within us a desire to pray for that nation, that they need Jesus. They need to know the way, the truth, and the life. And so there you have it. Three minutes, Australia trip. Yes. <laughs> That's the best I can do because I'm so excited 
about the word that I get to share with you guys this morning. And I've got titled today's message, Defining Moments, Decisions That Change the Course of Your Life. And um, my goal today, you know, we do have all these tables out here, but my goal today is to inspire you, to encourage you, to prompt you to get involved within a small group, to position yourself in a place to receive all that God has for you by being connected to other people. You know, as I look at my life, married life, over the past 18, almost 19 years, and I truly can say I don't believe I would be right here where I'm at if it wasn't for the investment that I made within small groups, friendships, and relationships, because people make us stronger. People build us. People encourage us. And so before we continue, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And so, God, right now, we submit our hearts, we submit our minds, and I say, Lord, speak to us this morning. God, I pray that as I present the word, that it's not my words, it's not my opinions, but God, it's your word. It's what your word says. And Lord, I pray that you speak to each person exactly what they need to hear this morning. Father, whether it be correction, whether it be instruction, whether it be encouragement, whatever it is, Father, we open up ourselves to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. And so as we're talking about small groups this morning, the first thing that we have to realize is that God created us for relationships. You see that? God created us for relationships. You know, when we look in Genesis chapter 2, you know, God had created the earth. He had created man. But then who did he create for man? Woman. He's like, this man needs a woman. She needs some fellowship. She needs some relationship. You know, we see in Genesis chapter 3 that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. You know, he had fellowship with Adam and Eve. He had relationship with Adam and Eve. And as you guys know the story, they sinned, messed everything up, but then God still had a plan, right? He made a way to restore relationship back to him through who? Through Jesus Christ and through the cross. You know, and so I was even looking at the life and example of Jesus. Well, who did Jesus have relationship? Well, we see through the Gospels, he had all kinds of relationship, but I want to focus on a couple things. You know, after he died and he resurrected, he was on the earth for what? About 40 days. And so when we open up our Bibles to, to John chapter 20 and 21, we see that there's four noted accounts where he had fellowship. He had relationship with different people. And so the first person he does is he talks with Mary Magdalene. You know, right there, the disciples went away, an angel comes and speaks, and the next thing she knows, Jesus is right there before him. And Jesus is speaking to her, giving her encouragement, saying, go, tell the disciples that I'm alive, that, I, that I'm here, that I have risen. And the next account we see is that he's with the disciples, except doubting Thomas, right? Thomas isn't there, and so he's proving to the disciples, here I am, you know, I'm walking, I'm doing everything that I said. In the third account, we see that, once again, he's then with Thomas. And Thomas, you know, has to touch it. Like, let me see, let me see. Is that really there? Let me see. Are you for real? And um, so we see, once again, within that 40 days, it's the third time that Jesus is having relationship. He's having fellowship with people. And then the fourth thing we see right there, and it's actually in John 21, is he talks about he's actually at the sea. Disciples are out there fishing. He's like, hey, guys, have you caught anything? And they're like, no. And he's like, so cast it to the other side. They cast it to the other side. They bring in these fish. And when he comes to shore, he's got a fire started. I don't believe he had a fire there just to be like, okay, be warm and like, go walk off. <laughs> no, he had a fire there so they could cook some fish and so that they could have relationships, so that they could have fellowship, so that he could give them instruction on what is 
to come. And so there's your quick, brief synopsis of, first we realize God created us for relationship. We need people. Say, I need people. Now here's the next thing, number two in your notes here, is relationships shape you. You are either better or worse because of them. Anybody agree with that? Has anybody ever had maybe a relationship that made you worse? (laughs) Has anybody had a relationship that makes you better? You know, relationships shape our life, either for the good or for the bad. Your life is shaped by the people that is in your life. And so I want to ask the question, who is shaping you? Who is shaping you? What relationships are you purposely being around to shape you? Um, I remember several years ago, um, I had a job interview at the YMCA, and um, man, that was like the first face-to-face job interview I'd ever had, because before that, every job I'd ever had was created for me. I served, and they're like, I like this person, here's a position. So I was so nervous going in for that interview that morning, and I remember one of the questions that um, the director there asked me, she said, she asked this question, and she said, um, who is your mentor, and who do you want to be like? I just remember like going, oh, oh. And actually, I'm kind of proud of my answer, maybe not proud, but I actually said, my husband. And she's like, what? And I said, yeah, I said, he's a godly man that does what's right and strives to pursue God. But when I said that, who is your mentor, what's the first person that came to mind? Is it somebody that shapes you to become better? Or is it somebody that shapes you to not be the best you? You will not change your way until you get around the right person and the right people. You know, we need to have accountability people within our life. We need to have people that are praying for us. We need to have people that when we're weak and strong, we can call up and be like, man, pray. You know, when we were in Australia, um, we went out to the beach one day, and Lauren had a reaction, and her feet swelled up, bright fire red, engine red, started going up her legs, started going up here, started going on her arms. And my first thought was, call Rob. Tell Rob, start praying for the family. You know, we need people. And I, and I know Rob, and I know he knows his dad, which meant I'm calling dad, and he's going to be praying. You know, we've got to have people in our life that we know that are going to pray for us, that are going to have our back, and not just say, oh, yeah, I'll say a prayer for you. But, man, they're right then going to do it for us. I love right here, this is kind of my key verse for today, and it's Proverbs 27, 19, and it's up here on the screen. It says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friend that he chooses. I want to say that again. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friend that he chooses. So what does your choice in friends reflect? Ouch. Or yay. (laughs) I've heard this said many times, and I totally agree with this statement. It says, show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Who you surround yourself with, who you choose to be around, is totally going to determine the direction of where you go and what happens within your life. Who are you choosing to be around? And, you know, I know this morning, probably when I said small group, some of you, like, automatically checked out. and like, uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. But hold on with me for just a moment. And I want to evaluate a few reasons or excuses 
that maybe we use for not having relationships, for not having friendships, for not being connected to small groups. And, and the first thing is actually, I want to go ahead and show the video first. So if you'll go ahead and show that first one, Billy. Hi, I'm Heather. I'm Wendy. And I'm Carmen. And we've been asked to talk a little bit about small groups. Um, to be truthful, a couple of years ago, I wasn't even interested in small groups. I figured I could do all the praying and declaring the word all by myself and call my mom for prayer, but I didn't think anything of it. And um, I became part of the ministry school three years ago and Hope House and all that, and my life has changed. Um, and these guys can follow up on it. Well, my um, an example I'll give is I'm in the school of ministry, and I've been in it since the beginning. And it's just challenged me and made me more bold to step out and share the gospel and pray over people. And it seems like every time they'd start a new class, it would be... Like the one I can remember in particular on Christian character, and it's something God was growing me in. And I remember the um, job I had back then. Um, we were told to do the dishes in the break room and to take coffee to clients. And I was like, God, why did you put me in this job? I don't like it. I want to use my skills and and the things that I was trained for. And I kind of was complaining to God and. He um, showed me a lot through this class, and by the end of it, I was doing the dishes when it wasn't even my turn. I was um, serving people out of my heart, and then I ended up getting the job that I really always dreamed of, and um, so it's taught me so much in that. And I just want to say the School of Ministry has um, taught me not only just to uh, learn and grow in God's Word, but it's taught me how to be become part of a family. You know, um, we've become such a family since the beginning, and all three of us have been there uh, since the first healing class, and we have learned so much and grown so much in what God has for us. So it is so worth it. It has yes. been a wonderful thing, and we have thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, so... What I want to point out in that is the very first thing that Wendy Conrad said in that was, you know, I didn't really, and I'm rewording this, but, you know, I thought I could read my Bible on my own and I could pray on my own and I didn't really need this. Okay, yes, you can read your Bible and you can pray on your own, but people and accountability make you better. They make you stronger. And so, you know, point number one here of excuses is naivety. You know, sometimes we are just naive in knowing that that's something that we really need. And, you know, I know, um, you know, Rob and I, I got married at 20, and um, I remember being young, and anytime there was, like, a women's event, I, I, I often spoke something like, I don't want to go to a women's event because all they do is, like, cry and hug each other, and it's, like, girly and all these flowers, and I'm like, I just don't want to do that. I mean, that was totally my understanding, <laughs> impression, as a young, naive 20-ish year old was like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. But you know what? Since then, I love how God works. Now I'm over the women's ministry here at Church of the Harvest, and I absolutely love it. And I see the value of women. I see the value of their wisdom. I see the value that everybody that comes and is involved has something that they can impart into my life and into others. And so, you know, a lot of times we're just naive, you know, well... You know, you know, we don't see that it's important. We don't see that God tells us that we need to fellowship 
with other people. And the next thing is, you know, and I don't know how many times I've heard this, but, you know, well, it's just not my temperament. You know, it's just hard. It's just uncomfortable. I just don't like being around people. And here's my great words of encouragement to you. Get over it. (laughs) You know, sometimes we have to suck it up. Sometimes we have to be uncomfortable. Sometimes we got to put our flesh aside to pursue after God and to allow him to speak within our life. And, you know, I can say this for myself. You know, you're probably like, oh, Shauna's so great at getting in front of people, and she loves talking in front of people, and she always greets me or not, and, you know, whatever. And, you know, here's the thing. In this environment, that's completely comfortable to me. However, let me go with my husband to a chamber of commerce meeting or take me to a conference somewhere filled with people that I don't know And I want to go hide in the corner and not be seen because it's uncomfortable. Because I tell myself, well, I'm never going to meet this person again. Who cares if I talk to them? We're not going to become best friends. But here's what the Lord showed me. You know, Shauna, greet people, be with people, because one, they can have something that can change your life and encourage you, or two, you might can have something that you can speak into their life that can be a blessing. And stop being selfish. It's not about you. It's not about you being comfortable. It's about you sharing my word. It's about you positioning your place to receive all that I have for you. So number one, naive. The next thing is sometimes we say it's not our temperament. Number three is fear. How many of you would say you don't want to have friendships or relationships because you're afraid? Afraid of the unknown. You're afraid of you don't know what to expect. You know, you you just don't know. And I just want to encourage you with this. This is a quote by C.S. Lewis. And he says, friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, what, you too? I thought that no one but myself, and then you can fill in the blank. You know, when you position yourself in a place to get to know people, you know, you're going to find out that, whoa, they're just like me. They struggle just like I do. They have those same thoughts just like I do. And then you're going to learn what to do with those things and how to turn to God's word. For the answer. The next thing is excuse that we have is past experiences. Maybe you were in a relationship or a friendship and you just got burned. Whether it be a marriage relationship, whether it be a co-worker relationship, a family relationship, you just got burned. You just got hurt. And you're like, I am not going to open up myself to be around somebody else where that can happen to me again. And let me encourage you this morning that the pain that you experienced within that hurt relationship between the two of you is not just about the two of you. You see, the devil had a bigger plan. His plan was for you to get the understanding of, I never want anybody in my life, any relationship, because it's going to hurt. It wasn't just about you and that person. It was about the enemy saying, I want to wipe out every possibility for relationships so that person will be hurt and pain and never benefit from what God has in other people for them. And the last excuse that we use often right here, and man, I hear this one all the time, and I'm even guilty of it at times, is busyness. You know, it seems like, I don't know how many times Rob and I have had conversations. We are just busy. We're just busy. The society we're in today is busy. I'm married. I've got a job. I've got three kids. They've got activities. I've got homeschooling stuff. I've got house chores. I've got schooling, you know, just busy, 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 busy. Anybody ever feel that way? (laughs) But let me tell you is that your life 
will be better with small groups and relationships. And I want to encourage you today to get your schedule in order, make the most of your time, and be wise. Get your busy. We're all busy, but what is your priority? Is all this stuff taking up the time where maybe you need to be investing in your life, investing in who you are so that you can be a better husband, wife, mother, father, parent, coworker? What is most important to you? And I love right here in Ecclesiastes 4.8. says, here is someone who lives alone. He has no son, no brother, yet he is always working, never satisfied with the wealth that he has, for whom he is working so hard and denying himself any pleasure. This is useless and miserable way to live. You know, there's so many of us that work, 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 busy, 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 busy. But for what? We're called more than to just work and be busy. It's a miserable way to live. You'll never be satisfied. And I honestly believe that as you choose to position yourself in a place, as you choose to decide to make friendships, relationships, be involved in a small group, that you'll see the rewards and the benefits of it. And let's read First Peter right here. This is verses four, chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. It says, the end of all things is near. You must be self-controlled and alert, be able to pray. Above everything, love one another earnestly, because love covers over many sins. Open your homes to each other without complaining. Each one, as a good manager of God's different gifts, must use for the good of others the special gift that he has received from God. Those who preach must preach God's message. Those who serve must serve with the strength that God gives them so that in all things praise may be given to God through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and power forever and ever. And fill in the last word, amen. You know, we must love people deeply. We must love people deeply. We must have people in our life that are going to have our back. And the only way that we can do this is through having friendships and relationships. Nobody's going to have your back if you aren't putting yourself out there to make it known that somebody needs your back. You've got to position yourself to play a place where you can love others and where you can be loved by others. And so today, here's my challenge. We've got four things. Is, and I believe that one of these four that you're going to be like, that's me. There's something there that I need to do. And so today, I want you to decide to do these things. And the first thing is, is that you need to decide to nurture the important relationships that you already have. You know, who is it in your life? If you had to pick your top five relationships that you need to nurture, what are they? It's probably different for all of us because we're all in different seasons of our life. What are those relationships that we need to nurture? For me personally, obviously, it's my relationship with the Lord, it's my relationship with my husband, it's my relationship with my children, and then it's the relationship with those that I serve and have the ability to lead with. But here's the thing is our relationships do not stay where we leave them. You know, you can't just like go away for a year and then come back and they'd be right where they were at. You know, it takes effort, it takes work to nurture those relationships. Um... So we've got to make sure that we nurture relationships that they, so that they don't break. You know, I don't know over the years how many calls Rob and I have gotten from different people. And, you know, this is what we're here for. And they're like, man, we need some marriage counseling. We need some parent advice. 
You know, I don't think I've ever had somebody call us and be like, you know what, can we set up a meeting with y'all? And um, we're like, sure, why is that? I need some preventative care. I just want you to give me the word so that I can stay on the right path. We don't see that. But, you know, we need to take that mindset of we need to prevent, we need to invest, we need to nurture within our relationships. For those of us that are married, you know, we need to put our lips on our spouse every single day. They need our kisses. They need our hugs. We need to put our arms around them. Um, For those that like words of affirmation, we need to give praise from our mouth every single day. Not something, you know, just on anniversaries or Valentine's Day. It needs to be something that you invest in every single day. With our children, you know, we need to make sure that we're not that once a year, take them on a vacation. That's the only time I spend time with them the entire year. Parents. But we need to make sure that we are daily praying with them. Daily talking to them. Daily investing in our kids and know what's going on within our life. Doing activities with them doing things that they enjoy. You know, something that I absolutely love about our family at home, you know, we've got two teenagers now, and I still love the fact that when the girls get called by a friend and say, you want to go to the movie or you want to do this, they always ask first, Mom and Dad, what are we doing? To make sure that they would choose to do what we are doing before they would go off and do whatever with their friends because they don't want to miss out on what's happening within our family. And, man, sometimes that's even just watching, like, an hour television show in the living room, you know. They enjoy being, and I believe because that's, we've put, we've invested in them. We've nurtured that within our children. Um, you've got to make sure that we invest within our relationships. Um, something else we need to nurture is our relationship with Christ. We've got to make sure that we're not just a Sunday morning Christian, that the only time we talk to God or think about God or think about his principles is on Sunday morning. But we need to nurture our relationship every single day. We need to be in his word every single day. We need to be praying every single day. We need to position ourselves in small groups where the word is taught so that we can be encouraged every single day. Um, Right here in Galatians 5, 13 through 15, You guys have heard this, talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. It said, it's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. And so we've got to nurture the good relationships that we have. We've got to be intentionally investing in them. The second thing today I want us to decide to do is maybe restore broken relationships. You know, some of us, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I want to encourage you here that um, the pain of an unresolved conflict is greater than the pain it takes to fix it. Let me say that again. The pain of an unresolved conflict is greater than the pain that it takes to fix it. And I recently had a conversation with actually a very, very close friend. And this close friend is holding on to an offense, unforgiveness, and bitterness towards a family member. And, you know, I recently talked to him, and I was like, you know, what's going on? You know, what happened that you can't even associate with this person, this family member? And the friend looked at me and said, this person has nothing to offer me but hurt, pain, and rejection. Why would I want to be around that person? 
Good question. But what does God's word tell us? And that particular individual on holidays and special events chooses to not associate with that family member. And by doing that, they don't associate with any of their family members on that day because of the hurt and the offense of bitterness that they're holding. Let me tell you, for that individual, the pain that she's carrying of that unresolved conflict is greater than the pain of forgiving and letting it go. Am I saying she's got to be best friends with that family member? Absolutely not. No. If that person brings them pain, that's okay. I forgive. I go on. I'm not going to position myself to be harmed over and over, but I am going to forgive. And, you know, we've got to do what Romans 12 says. We don't repay evil with evil. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Be that person who does not hold it. Do not let that hurt. Do not let that offense. Do not let that anger control you and your emotions. And I'm just going to tell you right here that if the name's spoken and you like want to vomit, there's unforgiveness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because when we truly walk out in love, when we truly out, walk out in love, we can separate the two and say, okay, I see this person the way that God sees them. I'm going to choose not to be close to them. I'm going to choose not to let them invest, speak into my life because it can be hurt and it can wound me, but I'm still going to love them and I'm still going to pray for them and I still am going to believe that God's going to work in their life and bring them to a place where maybe someday we can be restored. So number two is sometimes there may be some broken relationships that you need to do your part and get right. You need to get right. And know this, they're probably not going to respond well if you try to do it with them, and that's okay because you're only responsible for yourself and where you're at. Um, number three right here, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one, is sever any harmful relationships. Proverbs 13, 20. It says, keep company with the wise and you will become wise. If you make friends with stupid people, you will be ruined. I like that translation. <laughs> I think like in NIV or King James, it says the fool. But okay, a fool can be stupid, right? So keep company with the wise and you will become wise. If you make friends with stupid people, you will be ruined. And guys, this is true. This is so true. You know, if you are hanging out with people that are smoking dope, getting drunk, you need to get away. If your coworkers are daily telling crude jokes, you need to leave that conversation. Ladies, if you're in a relationship and a guy's asking you to do something that doesn't quite line up with what you feel is morally right, you need to run. Women, if you're being flirtatious on the job, you need to stop it. We've got to remove ourselves from those harmful situations that will impact us, that will dictate our future and where we go. You know, something that we tell our kids over and over and over again is, I just want you to know, because how many you know, all of us, none of us are perfect, right? We have friends and none of our friends are perfect. We're not perfect. I'm not saying there's a perfect person, okay? But... You know, we tell our kids, you know, we see them hanging out with certain people that we begin to question the behaviors of their friends. We tell them, if you start taking on those behaviors that we see, they're no longer going to be your friend. Because we care enough about you that we're not going to allow you to be in a place 
that's going to take you the opposite direction of where God wants you to go. And we've got to do that as adults. It's easy to say that with our kids, but adults, sometimes we need to position ourselves in a place away from those that are going to take us the wrong direction. I love right here in um, 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And right here, when you look at this word yoke, it actually means to have common fellowship with. So common fellowship doesn't mean you're just extremely close. You know, it's not like you're the best of buds. It's common fellowship. Do not be yoked together. Do not have common fellowship with unbelievers. Um, I had a friend, actually was on the trip here in Australia, um, the host home that we stayed with. She was telling me her testimony, and she was talking about how she um, her and her husband were wild growing up. You know, she's like, I carried, you know, drugs in my bosoms, and I got drunk. And, you know, she was just going on and on about all this stuff. And she said, my husband and I got saved. And she said, I remember the first time we went out with our old friends. She goes, after being saved, we looked at each other and go, why did we ever like them? She said, we would have to be drunk to think anything they were doing or saying was funny. You know, she said, we had to separate ourselves from that relationship so that we could pursue after God and so that we could become stronger. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I want to encourage you with this. This morning, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts the decisions that you make on Sunday morning. You know, so many times we come to sun- Sunday morning, we make that decision. Okay, God, I repent. I'm going to follow after you. And you heartfelt mean it, but then you go home and you position yourself in that exact same place to hear those same negative words from your coworkers, your families, and your friends. And it's hard because you're hearing the negative, negative, negative. You're seeing the old ways, the old ways, the old ways. And you've got to be intentionally around people that are going to invest the word within your life, that are going to tell you what the scripture stands, that's going to stand with you, that's going to help you, that is going to encourage you to grow. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And so we've got to make sure, you know, number three here, we're talking about severing relationships we don't need. We've got to make sure that we stay away from lazy, immoral, angry, unbelieving people. And let me just put out here for a minute, I know some of you are going, but people need Jesus. Okay, yes, people need Jesus. But that does not mean that you have to position yourself in an immoral place 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to give them Jesus. You do not have to compromise your beliefs and your morals to give them Jesus. Jesus can present himself to them any way he wants at any time, and you are responsible for yourself. Sever those simple relationships that are within your life that are going to take you down the wrong path, that are not going to take you to the Father. Whew. You might ask the question, it's not really critical, is it? And I'm going to take you back to the verse, Proverbs 27, 19. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he really is like is shown by the kind of friends that he chooses. Who are you choosing to be around? What is that showing about your life? And then number four right here, which this is absolutely the most important one out of the four, is, is you know, some of us need to initiate a meaningful relationship with God. And there's four ways we're going to talk about that you can do this. Number one is with a church. 
Now, I'm not talking about going to a church and just coming and sitting here on a Sunday morning, but you need to have a relationship with a church. If you're church hopping, you need to stop it. You need to find a church, and you need to get connected with a church body. There's accountability with the church body. If that church is here, we would love to have you. If it means you've got to go somewhere else, there are awesome churches in this community that you can be a part. But stop hopping and get connected. Position yourself in a place. Commit to one year. I'm going to do all that that church provides. I'm going to go through the growth track. I'm going to go to every event that they have. I'm going to get involved in what they have going on. And I would guarantee you, if you are in a life-giving church, after one year, you will look back and you will see, wow, look how I've grown. Because that's what a church does with relationship. When you are committed relationally to a church, there's going to be growth within your life. The next thing I encourage you guys to do is get involved in a small group. Actually, we've got a video we're going to show right here. My name is Nadia Teague, and I've been going to this church for probably about four years. And um, I just want to share something real quick about the ministry class that I've been going to. It's really been um, an inspiration to my life. Um, I was really shy, and I'm still shy, and I don't want to be standing here. But um, it's something that I need to do and um, show you that um, it really was a blessing in my life because I was really spiritually lost. And um, with me being in this class, I have learned to, to open up, and I have really learned to trust in God, really. And... Um, it wasn't about me, it was about him. So um, with this in mind, you know, it's something that I did for myself. It was the best thing I ever did for me because I know how I can treat other people and I know who I am in Christ so I can be a better person out there. is that not awesome? So if that doesn't inspire you to be a part of a small group, you know, I just want to encourage you guys if you've never been a part of a small group, commit to be a part of a small group, whether it be one offered here in the church, whether it be one offered, you know, through your workplace, through another church, whatever. You know, be a part of a small group. Get involved with a group of people that are going to help you change and become more like Christ, that are going to help you grow, that are going to be with you in the good times, and in the bad times. And as you guys know, today we're launching our semester of small groups. It's a 13-week commitment. And I just want to encourage you, we have some awesome small groups going on this semester. We've got one on financial peace. You know, if you need help with your finances, who doesn't at some point? You know, that's going to be on Wednesday nights here at the church, help you with your budget. Anybody a parent? We have a parenting class um, that's going to be going on that's going to teach you scripturally you know, what does the word say about parenting? Maybe you're new um, in your relationship with the Lord. We're going to have a foundation small group that's going to teach you the foundations, you know, why we believe what we believe. What, what do I do? What is my responsibility as a believer? Give you the scripture to back that up. You know, if you need freedom, you know, maybe you've got addictions in your life, either emotionally, physically, um, whatever. You know, we've got freedom class that we're going to offer. You know, if you're fi over 50, we've got a 50-plus group called Season with Grace that um, meets twice a, week, twice a month. Um, we've got men's group. We've got women's group. We've got a youth group. We've got, let's just say there's a bunch of groups going on 
And we don't do this for ourselves. We do this to grow you guys. The people that have committed to lead those see you as important, they see you as valuable, and they want to invest their time and their money to help you grow. So I just encourage you, okay, God, where would you have me involved? Where would you have me be connected so that I can grow? Um, right here in Proverbs 18, 24, it says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I just want to encourage you, when you get involved in a small group, you know, the first time, second time you go, it may be a little uncomfortable. You're going to be like, what? i got to go to somebody's house I don't know, or I've never met this person. It may be a little uncomfortable. But push through that, and I guarantee you, by week maybe four or five, you're going to have kind of like that C.S. Lewis moment, like, whoa, this guy goes through the same thing that I do? This woman experiences what I experience? And you're going to begin to open up, and you're going to begin to share. And as you do that, the Lord is then able to work within your life. Healing's able to come. You're getting scripture that you're able to apply to your life that you can stand on. And um, I read a report recently. It was a UCLA report. said that we need 8 to 10 meaningful touches a day to be healthy. You know, we need affection. We need encouragement. And one way that we can get that is through our small groups here at Harvest. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, stop avoiding the thing that you really need because we need it. Sunday morning here is awesome. But it is, and I know this isn't a word, it's so much awesomer, so much more awesome when you get connected with people because you see their heart, you give up your heart, and that's really where growth can come. And so I encourage you, please, 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 today at the end, check out the tables, get connected somewhere where you can be with people that are going to grow you to be more like him. Our third thing right here some of us need to decide to do is to be with the team. Some of you need to be on a team. Teams are fun. Teams allow us to produce more with our life than we ever can alone. And as I was praying about this, um, actually last night I was going over this, I just want to encourage you. I felt like the Lord said that some of you have been on a team before and you felt like you got burned and you felt like you got exhausted and you're like, I don't want to ever have anything to do with the team again. And the Lord just wanted to tell you that those gifts that he's given you are not for yourself, and they're not to be hidden, and they're not to be kept any longer, but you need to use those gifts to serve on a team. And I don't know who that's for. That wasn't originally in my notes, but, you know, you need to get on a team. We are better on a team. We are better when we are serving with somebody else. You know, you will have limited production if you live your life by yourself, but if you get on a team, you will accomplish so much more. And here at Harvest, there's so many teams. We've got greeters that need help. We've got ushers. We've got children's ministry. We've got our worship team. We've got small groups. We've got, basically, if you want to know, go to the connection desk and they'll get you connected. There's so many places that you can serve. And, you know, get on a team. Start being a part. Use the gifts that you have to help others. You know, serve, give back. And the last thing I want to talk about right here is that we need a relationship. And you can fill this in in your blank with God. I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and close your eyes here. The most important relationship that any of us can have is our relationship with God. And I'm not talking about a religion. I'm not talking about how your mama or your grandma does church. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I love in John 15, 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, and he says, I no longer call you servants, 
because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So I want to tell you this morning, Jesus, he's wanting to be your friend. He's wanting to know all your business. He's wanting to know your feelings. He's wanting to help you. He's wanting to walk with you. As life is hard and there's trials, tribulations come. He wants to hold your hand and carry you through it. Sometimes he wants to pick you up like the poem Footprints and then put you back down. And so I want to ask this morning, if you're in this place and you would say, I want that relationship with God. I want that relationship with God. I've never called upon him to be my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, you know, I've done it, but I know that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I want you to just lift your hand right now. If you would say, I want that relationship with God. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Awesome, I see that hand. Anybody else? I want that relationship with him. Nothing I said today has any value or any importance unless you choose to have that relationship with the Father. And what I love about our Father is he doesn't force it on us. We choose him. And then he's right there to just love on us. For those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And at the end of service, I'm going to encourage you to actually come forward and and pray with one of our prayer partners. Father, I thank you for those people that called upon you to be their Lord and Savior this morning. Lord, I know your word says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth and that you believe in your heart, that you shall be saved. And so, God, we do that this morning. We say, Lord, we're sinners. Just like we sang about earlier today, we need you, God. Come and forgive us. We say you are Lord. We say you are Savior. We say we're going to deny ourselves to follow after you. And I want to ask one more question right now. If you would say today the Holy Spirit on the inside prompted something that said, I need to be connected with people. I want you to lift up your hand. You'd say the Holy Spirit prompted you, I need to be connected with people. Just lift up your hand. Anybody else? Awesome. Lord, I thank you that you did create us for relationship. You created us to be beings that are supposed to fellowship with each other and one another. And so, God, we launch our small groups today. And, God, I thank you that people are making decisions that will eternally affect their destiny. God, we pray over all the small groups. We pray over all the small group leaders. And God, I thank you that people get connected where you would have them be connected this semester. God, I thank you that we are going to see fruit, which means we're going to see changed lives. We're going to see changed hearts. We're going to see finances restored. We're going to see marriages restored. We're going to see people learning what the word says and going to it for answers because of their investment, of their time, their money, their resources. God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're working in our midst. And God, I thank you for all that you've given and all that you've blessed us with. God, I thank you that today's word has been encouraging. That it prompts us to think about what relationships do we have? What do we need to sever? 
What do we need to pursue? What do we need to make right? Where do we need to be connected with you better? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. 